All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to episode two of the UFL update. That's right, we are back with more information, more free agency moves, more power rankings, and my best matchups for 2024. All that and more on the show tonight. It is going to be fun. We've got tons of stuff going on in the UFL. Uh, they've announced their merch shop, you know, uh, camp rosters have been finalized. And I'm thrilled to dig into that with you tonight. Uh, thank you all for such the kind response um, on episode one. I'm working on getting better at this whole podcasting thing. You know, <laughs> the episode ended up being almost an hour. We're going to try and cut that to 30 minutes to 45. Um, just so we can do this more often and get more more news out to you guys. Uh, but I appreciate all of you who have followed, who have reviewed the show, who are interacting on the socials, uh, and we appreciate the good reaction uh, over here at UFL Update. Uh, so with that, yeah, let's get into the show tonight. We've got A.J. McCarron almost signing with the Battlehawks. Matt Corral coming to the Stallions. Camp rosters finalizing. Uh, and so much more. And so so let's get into it tonight. Um, and yeah, kicking it off, I have got plenty of updated rosters and updated roster intel in front of me right now. Uh, notably, the Battlehawks page has a very big addition in A.J. McCarron. Uh, AJ McCarron signed back with St. Louis this week, or or has almost signed back. Everything is pointing to him uh, returning. He left uh, on Wednesday. He left Cincinnati, uh, requested to be released or requested to be waived. Uh, Nick Tiana was waived by the Battlehawks, uh, and they also added Brandon Silvers from the Houston Roughnecks or from last season, the Houston Roughnecks, uh, and from Troy University. So a solid depth choice there that rounds out the QB room at Silvers McCarron and Manny Wilkins probably at the three spot um but everyone in St. Louis you can finally take a deep breath uh I, I know personally a couple Battlehawks fans who were waiting on this news you know they've got Wayne Gallman they've got Pearson Jackson Shepard all these great pieces around uh, a quarterback on the offense but they really didn't have their guy yet. You know, you could tell that even through all the free agency and dispersal drafts and stuff, I, let, let's be real. The the St. Louis Battlehawks were not planning to, Nick Tiana was not their plan A, you know, and, and it was clear that they wanted McCarron back from the start. Uh, and so he has not officially signed with the team, but all signs point to that uh, coming either today, Thursday, uh, or tomorrow. Um, and so... Looking forward to hearing that news be made official, but this is huge for St. Louis. Um, as I said, they've got all the pieces there that, that are necessary to have a great offense. And now with McCarron back, it's like uh, Anthony Beck is assembling the Avengers uh, of an XFL offense. You know, uh, you've got receivers from uh, the Sea Dragons, you've got players from the NFL, and they're they're looking like a much more dangerous team and someone I can trust a lot more now that AJ's back. For the UFL as a whole, this is also huge. You know, the the QB rosters go up in talent by by quite a lot. You know, I, I, we we did our rankings last week on the show, but now having AJ back, I feel way more confident in the group as a whole than I did before. Um but also I wanted to point out that AJ didn't get cut from Cincinnati. This wasn't his only option. To, to come back to spring football, but he's choosing to to drop down and come play and, and showcase his talent, you know? Um, and I, I think that that's a trend we're starting to see a little bit more of players that don't necessarily have to leave the NFL, 
but are choosing to to come down to the UFL and, and taking a chance on themselves. And I, I think that's great for the league. Um, and and if we keep seeing that, if we keep seeing players come from the NFL, show off their talent, and move back up, uh, that's when you're really going to get a spring league that's going to have an increased talent level. I mean, we know this year's already going to be better than any year before. And also consistent flow into the NFL uh, and consistent roster turnover. So McCarron's just the first sign of that. Uh, as I said, Nick Tiana was waived by the Battlehawks. Uh, possible landing spot in Houston. There's some places. Don't know the details there. Um, and yeah, Silvers has joined the team. We'll probably back him up, but there's a lot of upside there. Silvers is a young guy. Uh, and looking forward to seeing how he learns and grows under AJ and under Anthony Beck um, this season. So the Battlehawks just got a lot more dangerous. The UFL just got a huge win, um, and they got another one here in Birmingham, too. Uh, Matt Corral, previously of the Ole Miss Rebels and the Carolina Panthers, has signed with the Birmingham Stallions. And the Stallions over here are just hoarding hoarding everyone. Uh, they've got Jalen Morton, Jamar Smith, Adrian Martinez, and now also Matt Corral in the, in the QB room. And I, I'm excited. Um Corral was electric to watch at Ole Miss. He's a great QB there, drafted in the third round by the Panthers. Uh, things didn't work out in the NFL. He was injured, all that. But guy who bounced around for a moment and has come down to the UFL, I feel like he's, someone said he's a UFL, or he's an NFL quarterback in a league full of spring football quarterbacks. You know, And I think you're going to really see that gap in talent level maybe this year. Uh, you're you're gonna have a QB battle too. Jamar is not gonna go down without a fight. There's there's no question about it. And the fan base loves him. They love Jay Sternberger. They love all the guys over there at Birmingham who've who've been there since day one. So I really think that that that's gonna be interesting to see it play out. Um, I believe Corral will start. I I think just the talent level, just right out of the gate, is gonna be too much. But you know, Jamar he was he was great in year one. Uh, he's a guy who knows the system. Uh, he and Skip have a great relationship, and he brings a lot of energy uh, and chemistry to the team. Even last year, being injured all year, still one of the faces of the franchise. Um, if you get what I'm saying, so I, I'm excited. It'll be it'll be an interesting battle, but I do believe that Corral will be the starting quarterback for the Stallions uh, this season, and I do believe that that's a big upgrade uh, for them and for the league. So you've got a couple Ole Miss quarterbacks in the league now. Uh, Jordan Tamu and uh, obviously Matt Corral, maybe Jackson Dart soon. Potential there. He's the current Ole Miss QB after a couple years in the NFL. You know, come hang out with us in the spring league. We'll 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 see. Um, and and in week four they're going head to head. Ole Miss Bowl. Um, might get into that a little bit later into the show too. Uh, I had a couple of people text me, DM me, and say, "Do you think the Stallions are overpowered in this league?" Um. They've won, they've won two championships back-to-back in the USFL. Uh, and obviously the talent level has gone up significantly in the UFL. The competition is up significantly in the UFL. But I still believe they're the best talent roster and they're the most complete roster as a whole right now. Uh, does the UFL need a salary cap or, or, or something to balance it? You know, the NFL, obviously, the best team gets the worst draft pick. The worst team gets the best draft pick. And that's true for the UFL, too. They did that in the dispersal drafts. But it's harder to control in a spring league when 
were working on getting free agents left and right. Like, Matt Corral was not selected in the UFL draft, you know? Um, maybe down the line that's something that will control the talent level on each team's a little bit more. But for now, it's kind of like <laughs> Stallions are running wild. Uh, GM Zachary Potter and company over there getting the work in. I mean, it, you can only you can only do so much. Um, and so I, I think that, yes, right now the UFL is kind of lacking in something to regulate the competition, but I don't know that there is something that they could have right now. And I, I think that the Stallions are the clear-cut best team in the league, but I also don't think that they're so overpowered that every game is going to be a beatdown. You know, I, I think that there's going to be some interesting matchups down the line. As I said, we're going to get into it. Um, but overall, Matt Corral, huge pickup for the team, huge pickup for the Stallions. I'm excited to watch him this season, and I think that that's going to inject some new life into the offense. And who knows, maybe you'll see another MVP season and he'll get back into the NFL. Uh like Magoo, like some other people we've seen. Uh, can't wait to see where that goes. The Panthers, who have been having a quiet offseason, have signed Frank Ginda. No shot at the Panthers. They've, they've been doing good. But I hadn't really been seeing as much as I wanted to. They re-signed some key pieces. You got EJ Perry back. You don't have um, Reggie Corbin back. And I know there's some stuff there. They filled the gap. But, but seeing this guy come back and seeing your your last season's defensive player of the year for the USFL return, that's a big pickup. Um, Frank was was with the uh, Falcons this offseason, on and off the practice squad. He notably led the team in tackles in the final preseason game. But I, I, the Breland Speaks and Frank Genda combo in the, in the Panthers defense, I think gives them a lot more of a case to be one of a, a team that's going to actually compete this season. You know, I, I feel like the Panthers were in one of my bottom spots in power rankings, potentially. But when you start bringing back guys like that, who you know are proven in the USFL and in these spring leagues, um, you, you start to see that the team's getting a little more complete. So huge pickup over there for Michigan. Uh, actually, not even huge. Like, he was a leader of the team, and, and you really, really needed to see that happen. So... If I'm a Michigan fan, do not overlook this uh, huge, huge news over there. In San Antonio, the Brahmas have cut Jack Cohn and they've cut Ben Kurt. Um, both of these guys, you hate to see them go. I don't know the details on Cohn. Um, was there, did he want to play? Has he retired or is he just getting waved on? Uh, Kurt Ben Kurt, we know, has retired. He that was that was an expected loss, but they also cut like 18 other guys because they had 95, and had to cut their roster down to 75, um, before before camp and stuff. So, you you saw a mass exodus off of this Brahmas team, and a lot of a lot of faces from last year who won't be returning. Uh, obviously, Wade Phillips knows what he's doing down there. I have a lot of faith in that staff, and I think they've done a great job in the off season, but. You do hate to see Cone go. That would have been good depth, but it makes you wonder. I guess they're all in on Dormity. Uh, Tom Flacco is still over there. Chase Garbers. Uh, that rounds out their QB room. So, so I feel like they're they're all backing up Dormity in San Antonio, and I think Dormity is a great choice. I think that um, what he did with how little he had in on the Guardians last season, and with 
how much drama and controversy surrounded that team. I don't know if y'all forgot about that, but Dormady was kicked off the team for like stealing the playbook and sending it to the opponents, all this chaos. And it wasn't even true. He comes back, plays for the Guardians, leads them to a win over DC, and absolutely balls out for the rest of the season. But regardless, Brahmas are going all in on him. They've cut cut people, but they've built around this Dormady to Cody Latimer package that they've kind of got going there. Uh, Kalen Bollage running back, he's out the door. Um, so you're you're seeing a lot of players go, but I'm I'm still still think the Brahmas are trending in the right direction much more so than they were earlier in the season. I'm surprised to see Cone leave. He could end up somewhere else, though. I, I feel like there's some landing spots, one of them being the Roughnecks. Um, Houston, what are we doing? I, I had a little bit of pushback. I posted this on the socials today. Do you think we should see Houston go after another quarterback, or should they stick with Reed Sinet, Jared Garantano, or Noah Henderson? That's their QB room right now. Uh, Sinet, he played for the Brahmas last year. He was pretty good until his injury. You know, that I have no complaints there. But it's a small sample size. He only played about three games, I believe. So he there's there's a lot left to be proven there. Uh, Garantano, he's been in the league. Henderson, very unproven. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, I'm not saying that these guys don't have upside, but... I also don't think that they're a veteran talent like you'd like to see for a team like Houston. Houston's got a great defense. They've got the pieces to make it happen. You've got Mark Thompson, for crying out loud. I don't need you to have a quarterback that's an absolute stud. I just need him to be serviceable, and I need to be know that I can trust him. Um, you had a lot of leagues, or a lot of teams in the spring leagues last year that kind of flipped around with their quarterbacks. The Panthers were one of them. They were constantly switching. The Guardians, another, switched quarterbacks three or four times. The Brahmas, another last year, switched quarterbacks a few times. And all of those guys have moved around and been in different spring leagues in various years and had success. But when you put them in the wrong situation, when you only give them two weeks, when you're relying on them and you don't fully trust them yet, that's when you get a situation where you're rotating QBs, and I don't know that there is that guy for the Roughnecks. Reed Sinet could be that guy. He played great for the Dolphins in the preseason. He played great for the Brahmas last year, but he doesn't have a big enough sample size for us to know for sure, and I definitely don't think the other two guys have that for us to be confident. EJ Perry, I love EJ Perry. He's on the Panthers right now, but EJ Perry was not at the top of my power rankings list for quarterbacks not because what he did in the two games he played was bad. He played outstanding. If he does that every single game, EJ Perry will be one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league. But you can't put all your chips in on a guy who only has two games of, of draft or two games of film in these spring leagues. And so I I understand the pushback on well, why should they go get another QB? You know, these guys have proven themselves. They've played in the preseason. What's the harm in, in going and getting a guy like Kyle Sloter, like Jack Cohn, Josh Love, DeAndre Johnson, Nick Tiano, all these names, you could go pick up one of them right now, add experience to the roster, give yourself another option, make there be a competition. But as of right now, I feel more confident in the third quarterback of the Memphis Showboats than I do out of any of these guys. Um, and so, whew, got a little heated there. 
But um, yeah, I I don't I don't understand why if you're a Roughnecks fan you would be defending these guys already when you you really haven't seen enough film to know who Noah Henderson is uh, and what he brings to the table, who Jared Garantano is. Why not go get a guy like Kyle Sloter? He he's been his name's been quiet all offseason. Nobody's been talking about him. Sloter hadn't really done too much. He was waived by the Stallions, or I, I say waived, wasn't picked back up by the Stallions on the on the dispersal drafts. He was on the Renegades last year. A couple years ago, he was great for the for the Breakers in the USFL. So so I don't I don't understand why you wouldn't want to go get a guy like that. Just have him at the very least. For experience and for an extra guy to, to compete. Jack Cohn, if he still wants to be in the league, I know Cohn wasn't great for the Brahmas last year, but again, a guy who, who could be another supporting supporting cast member. And um, yeah, that, that pretty much concludes our free agency segment. But I personally believe that the Roughnecks need one more guy. I could be wrong. I've had some pushback. Uh, Reed Sinet may, may go out there and shock the world and... I will be cheering for him to do so, and I will be thrilled because better QB play means better spring leagues, and that's what we want to see. So I'm very happy with what's happened over the past few weekends, um, or over over the past week. It, it was it was a very fun end to the uh, whole free agency saga, and obviously it's not closed yet. Camp rosters have been finalized, 75 players. But there's still movement, you know. There's still people who have to sign their letters of intent. Um, but but it was a good good to see the league picking up some big names right before the deadline. And I think you added a lot of star power and a lot of talent uh, to an already stacked spring league. Um, that being said, some teams are adding more talent than others, which means we are going to get into one of my favorite segments. It's one of your favorite segments, I know, because how you react on the social. It is time for my first official power rankings of the season and of the UFL update on the podcast. So, quick PSA before we begin. These are power rankings, knowing that they are subject to change and a rating on who I think the best teams are right now. Don't attack me. If the Roughnecks win the championship this year and I rated them pretty low in this power ranking... It's February. Calm down. These will change before the season kicks off multiple times. I'm going to be doing plenty of power rankings. Uh, we'll be doing some as a PFN staff as a whole. Um, but I, I love power rankings. I love getting to set up where I think, who I think is playing the best right now. And in this case, in the offseason, it's who I think is doing the best right now in free agency, in coaching, which staff seems the most coherent um, and and who I think is going to be the best when we kick off. Um, So knowing that, don't kill me. There are going to be some controversial takes here, but I'm going to start off with the basic stuff. At number one, we've got the Birmingham Stallions. I I think there's a pretty clear first and last place team in this league, and then I think there's a couple clear groups in the middle. But Stallions, number one, okay, uh, You've got returning head coach. You've got the best talent roster, in my opinion, in the league. Um, and I, I don't think it gets too much better than the Stallions and what they've put together there. Best QB room. There will be a competition there, but I'm not worried about it. And then <laughs> at the bottom, you've got the Roughnecks. I know I've been hating on them a lot tonight. Houston Roughnecks fans, I don't hate you. Um, 
I love Mark Thompson. I love Isaiah Henney, one of my favorite USFL players. Um, Tio Redding had that insane catch that one time. I mean, absolute stud. But I, I don't know if I trust the team as much. I don't know if I trust the coaching staff there as much as I do. And it, it, you don't have the best talent in the league compared to everyone else. There's a solid defense there. Uh, and obviously, it's it's better talent than you know USFL or XFL teams because of the dispersal drafts and such. But out of everyone, I feel like they've been doing the least you know, um, in free agency lately. And maybe that's just my bias for the, for the quarterback picking. Uh, Go hate on me in the comments if you feel like it. From there, I think slots two, three, and four are all very close. Uh, they could kind of go any way you want to put it. At number two, we've got the DC defenders. Reggie Barlow is back. Jordan Tamu is back. Abram Smith is back. All of the studs that you had last year. They picked up Boogie Roberts. They've got Devin Bellamy, Bellamy, uh, Trent Harris, sorry, Deontay Anderson. All sorts of players. Um, their, de- their defense is solid. Offense is looking very good. They just signed another wide receiver as the show was going on tonight. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what the defenders do tonight or do this season. And you know they're going to be a presence just like they were in the XFL last year. You can go on the track record. You can say I trust them. The Battle Hawks. I've got them at number three. A lot of people were not happy with me for putting the Battlehawks at five in my initial pre, pre-podcast, pre-everything rankings. But they had great offensive teams. They had, they had all great offensive talent, but you didn't have the quarterback spot, and that was, that was my big question with them. So for that reason, I had them below some other teams at the time. But looking at it now, you know, they had a great season last year. You return your head coach. You return uh, A.J. McCarron. Jacor Pearson, you don't return him. Get him from uh, Seattle. You get Darius Shepard back. Um, there's a lot to look forward to uh, over over there in St. Louis. And their schedule wasn't too bad. I know we all play the same teams, but as far as an XFL conference team, they don't have to go on the road to some of the more challenging ones, except for Birmingham, you know. Um, but I really, I really think that the Roughnecks are going to be solid. Or not the Roughnecks, the Battlehawks. I really think that the Battlehawks are going to be solid. You got great talent. You got returning coaching. And then at number four, you could argue that they have the best talent in the whole league. The Memphis Showboats. John Filippo has assembled the Avengers over there as well. Cole Kelly, Case Cook is Troy Williams, all at QB, all guys who started last year. Uh, you got Darius Victor, former Offensive Player of the Year for the USFL. Derek Dillon at wide receiver. Jonathan Adams. DeAndre Overton, Sage Surratt, all these guys are studs. Um, they they could very well have the best offense in the league. There's a chance. Uh, and DeFilippo is also proven, but he is transitioning. Um, John DeFilippo, if you don't know, was with the Breakers last year. He was in New Orleans, or he was in Birmingham, I should say, but with the New Orleans team and is now flipping over to Memphis to play. So really the only thing differentiating between D.C., and the Battle Hawks and the Showboats is the coaching. You know, the Showboats are a combined team of all the best aspects of the Stars and the Showboats of last year and the Breakers of last year. Whereas the DC Defenders, the Battle Hawks, and the Steins, too, return a lot of the same familiar faces. So because of that, the Showboats are going to be a little bit behind in learning the offense. 
building that team chemistry. Whereas if you're on DC and you're bringing back Tamu Smith, they're they're gonna hit it in stride. You know, they're they're gonna be right back where we started. Same thing for the Battlehawks. Um, but yeah, really really excited to see what the Showboats do. And as I said, I think two, three, four, DC, St. Louis, Memphis. You can kind of put those in any order you want. I don't want to dispute the Stallions because I feel like they won two years. They've got the talent to back it up. They, there feels like there's a good enough gap there to firmly place them at number one. And then a five, six, and seven. I feel like this is where we're going to have the most controversy. You could put these three teams in any order, and I wouldn't be mad also. So I've got, in no particular order right now, Panthers, Renegades, and Brahmas. I'm going to start at number seven. I have the Michigan Panthers. You've got Mike Nolan back. You've got EJ Perry back. You're filling the gap from Reggie Corbin with Wes Hills and Matt Colburn, Devin Gray. I mean, there's there's pieces there. The defense looks solid. Breland Speaks, Frank Ginda, Jared Fernandez. It has the makings of a really good team, just like all the other rosters on here, including the Roughnecks, Houston's fans. But I, I while they return a lot of their players they returned them to a team that kind of struggled last season and took a while to gel. I don't know if I trust the coaching as much as I do, as I do for the Brahmas and for the Renegades, you know, Wade Phillips, Bob Stoops, very proven guys, Mike Nolan. He's had some NFL coaching history and stuff, but I wasn't as impressed with what I saw him doing last year for the Panthers, uh, as I was with Stoops or, or Wade Phillips over at the Roughnecks. He does have the benefit of being there for the second year. You know, this this guy knows what he's doing. He's got players back. But, you know, how, how much is that going to translate the next year? I could put the Panthers at five and feel very comfortable with that as well. Uh, one question I do have is EJ Perry at the quarterback position. I love EJ Perry. He played great. He went to the NFL for a bit. But I don't know how much I trust him at that spot only because he played two weeks. And, and I think you could take that one of two ways. You could say EJ Perry played two games last year, barely got to know the team, and absolutely lit it up. When he comes this year, he's going to do the same thing, but even better because he's going to have more time to gel with the guys, more talent, better understanding of the playbook. That's a perfectly that's a perfectly valid take. Or you could take it in the other direction and say he was there two games. We got a small sample size. We don't really know if this guy just went off because it was <laughs> – a high-pressure scenario, and he, he got a couple good matchups for him, or if this guy's legit. So uh, there's kind of an unknown there for me. I don't know if I trust Danning Etling uh, too, too much either, but I think that the Panthers still have an opportunity to do great things this year. Just haven't seen as much out of them as I have as the team at number six, San Antonio Brahmas. Um, the Brahmas, you know, you go out, you get destroying at kicker. I know that's not... Talent-wise, the biggest pickup, um, or, or should I say for, like, changing the whole team. But in the dispersal dress, you've got Quentin Dormady. You've got Cody Latimer at that connection. Uh, they picked up some offensive line guys, Alex Millette. Uh, you return some of your, your good talent. But what I like is the momentum that I feel from over there. You know, uh, the Panthers, for instance, before this, or the Roughnecks, it it been quiet. There wasn't a bunch of buzz around the program. It didn't feel like like when I talked about going to the Stallion Social the other day. There was so much energy in the building, and you could feel that hunger for for moving forward. And maybe that was at the Michigan Panther Social. I wasn't there, but 
I can really feel that with the Brahmas. They've got a crazy fan base from YouTube supporting them. Um, and I know that, that that's not going to translate to on the field. But with Wade Phillips, you got to believe in the man to to do great things coaching-wise. Um, and I think that their talent level is about the same as the Panthers. So knowing that, I trust Wade Phillips over Mike Nolan, perhaps. Um, and that's kind of how I feel at the sixth position. The Renegades uh, at number five, Bob Stoops, again, great coach. I trust him. And you got to show respect to to the reigning champs, you know? Um, I know a lot of people won't like that I have Arlington at five in my rankings. They're returning some, some key players from last year. Their team looks solid. But they've had a quiet offseason, let's be real. Um, the Renegades didn't go off and pick up everybody like a team like Memphis did. They didn't make the draft picks that everybody wanted them to make. Uh, Ja'Core Pearson was not picked first overall by the Roughnecks. They picked up Lindsey Scott, who's a quarterback. That's great, but you already got your guy in Luis Perez, we thought at least, um, which he's returning, obviously. But there, there's a lot that I feel that is up in the air about the Renegades this year. Not Well, let me rephrase that. There's not a lot that we don't know about the Renegades. Like, a lot of the players are coming back. I feel like you're going to get the same thing you got last year. But hopefully with Perez, where the offense was clicking a little bit more. But there's there's not a whole lot of new that I can get excited about. Does that make sense? You, you understand that? Okay, I appreciate it. So let's run through this one more time. We've got the Stallions at 1, Defenders at 2, Battlehawks at 3, Showboats at 4, and then 5, 6, 7. You can kind of switch them up however you like. I think they're all on the same talent level, but you got Renegades, Brahmas, Panthers, and then solidified at the bottom place are the Roughnecks for now. For now. Uh, so that's my power rankings, as I said, for right now. Uh, let's, let's take a sip of water real quick and uh, move on to our final segment. Nice. Four out of ten water tonight. Kind of stale. All right. So, to end off the show tonight, good fast show tonight, what are my best matchups for 2024? Looking looking ahead a little bit um, to to a few of the matchups throughout, you know, throughout, throughout the season this year. Uh, week one, obviously. Champion versus champion. Stallions versus Renegades. Stallions at Renegades. This game has the potential to be awesome and draw everybody into the UFL and build up a lot of hype. It also has the opportunity to be a beatdown. I think that the Stallions' talent level is up here and the Renegades is down here, but you also don't know that a lot with these UFL teams. It's spring football. There's a lot of unknowns. So maybe the Renegades will gel. Uh faster and better than the Stallions. They have the home field advantage. They've got the crowd behind them. But I think that that's a game that everybody's been looking forward to. We can finally settle this debate of who's the better league for for practical purposes, who had the better champion. And um, man, I did not really think that we would get this game in real life last, last year. Uh, when the championship trophy came out for the Stallions and when the Renegades won, we did multiple polls on our socials at the USFL up at the UFL update at UFL update on Instagram. Who do you think's gonna win? 
uh, or, or who do you think would win? Renegades versus Stallions. If if the hypothetical champion versus champion played each other, who's the better team? And it was pretty lopsided in the Stallions, 70-30. Now, we do have a UFL, USFL slanted audience um, for the most part. But regardless, you still saw a lot of lot of Renegades, people, people doubting them. Maybe that gives them an edge in this game. I'm not I'm not picking the games yet. It's way too early. But I think that you could definitely see the Renegades. Oh, everybody's hyping up Birmingham. Everybody's talking about how we're going to get killed and then come out and surprise surprise the league. At least the hardcore fans. Surprise the hardcore fans, I should say. Who I, I think there's no way you can put the Stallions below the Renegades right now. But I also think that there's a way the Renegades win this game. I think there's a world where both things can be true. The Stallions are better than the Renegades, and the Renegades win the game. Or, or the Stallions ultimately are better than the Renegades this season, but the Renegades come out with a win. Uh, and that's the only time those two teams will cross this season unless they meet in the championship. Just so, so for what it's worth, you know, make sure you're watching that game on March 30th. Circle your calendar. Go ahead and get ready for week one because... It's it's gonna be it's gonna be something special to witness. And that brings me to week four. This has game of the year potential. It's another Birmingham Stallions game. It's a home game for Birmingham. The defenders, the DC defenders, the defending regular season champs of the XFL play the Stallions. It is gonna be electric. You've got what I'm dubbing the Ole Miss Bowl. You've got quarterback. Jordan Ta'amu, you've got Stallions quarterback, presumably a starter, Matt Corral. Uh, it's going to be intense. Um, I think these are the best two teams in the league right now. You've got returning coaches. You've got returning players. We've talked about it. But it, the game, the hype that I think that they're going to build around this game between two quarterbacks who used to be teammates, well, fact check that, they used to play for the same college college football team I'm not sure if they were there at the same time but you've got two guys who come from the same offensive system both under Lane Kiffin both talent-based rosters um, strong defense strong offense in front of Birmingham I think they're gonna have a good crowd there this year hopefully it's a night game it's prime time I I don't know what more you could ask for in a spring football matchup and um, yeah like I said 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox. Get ready for that one because that that could be your game of the year. Early prediction. That that could be my hot take for tonight's episode. Showboats at Battlehawks, also in week four. Week four is stacked. I almost put another matchup from week four on here. It is it is a loaded week. Uh, it's the Showboats for first XFL road test. Uh, they go to St. Louis. It's St. Louis's second home game. But it's also the Battlehawks' first home game against, well, I, I say that. Arlington's going to town uh, in week two. I take it back. But this matchup feels like it's got some firepower. I think the Showboats and the Battlehawks, you could see the best two offenses and the best two worst defenses. Or the best two offenses and the worst two defenses in the league going at it in one matchup. That could be a game that that also could be game of the year. You know, I think you're going to see loads of points scored. Um, But yeah, we'll see how the showboats are doing by then. We'll see how the Battlehawks are doing. And then week five, Battlehawks and Defenders. Uh, The rivalry is renewed. 
You got AJ McCarron versus Jordan Tamu again. And you've got the Battlehawks who really, really wish that they had been in that playoff game last year. Um, and looking to get some revenge. And that's the first time they'll play. It's not until week five. They hold they hold the one of the best rivalries, arguably the biggest spring football rivalry, rivalry, Battle Hawks versus Defenders, all the way till week five, and then you get them again in week eight. Uh, so that's another matchup that I'm very much looking forward to. So sneak peek ahead to the to the season as a whole. I may go through and rank the week one matchups. We'll we'll have a whole prediction show, I'm sure. Uh, and then lastly, real quick, week ten as a whole. Um, I, I really like what they did with the scheduling. Week ten, you get St. Louis versus San Antonio. You get D.C. versus Arlington, Memphis versus Houston, and Birmingham versus Michigan. Notice something? They're all divisional matchups. So the week before you get your final playoffs, the week before you get your semifinal game, uh, and then ultimately the championship game, you've got all the teams within divisions playing one another. And I think that that's going to help settle some debates. If you've got something like where the Battlehawks and the Sea Dragons last year, same record going into it, having them all play divisional games will hopefully help settle some things um, a little bit more uh, leading into to that final week. So that week's going to be chaos if we've got anybody close. I'm really crossing my fingers that uh, one of the games at least has it, it becomes a playoff game, like, like last year for the USFL where you had <laughs> basically the entire North Division uh, playing in to get, in, get into the playoffs. But that concludes my best matchups for 2024. And that also concludes our show for tonight. Uh, a, a bit of a bit of a heated show, bit of a, a a couple hot takes, defending my stances on a couple things. Uh, power rankings can always get uh, heavily debated. My my quarterback takes on on Houston might also get heavily debated. I don't know. Um, but yeah, with with that, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting on the socials. Please follow. Please share the podcast. Please subscribe. And please be interacting. We are going to uh, be putting out a lot more stuff on at the UFL update on Instagram. Lots of polls, lots of hot takes. Next episode, I would love to react um, to some of your hot takes, to some of your predictions for the season. Um, and I'm going to be putting out forms and stuff to respond to. But yeah, um, really pleased with how y'all have reacted to the show. If you have feedback, do not hesitate to DM me on Instagram to comment below on some of our posts uh, and let us know how we're doing. We are trying to get better at this. I am trying to get better at this. Uh, And tonight the show only ran for 40 minutes instead of 54. So hopefully that results in um, a little bit better pacing for you tonight. So I hope that we brought some joy into your spring football life this morning, this evening, uh, wherever you are listening to it right now. Godspeed. God bless. Thanks for listening and have a good one.